That's a great song. Um, well, let's turn our Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. And uh, we are, I guess the best way to say these next couple of sermons are going to be um, a primer, a primer for our hearts, amen, amen. to get us ready uh, to jump into the book, amen, and to jump into really as a family groups together, helping one another to be missionaries, amen. amen. Um, so I read the back of the book, but just to explain the book a little bit more, um, Joel Nagel, a brother in Michigan, uh, alongside his leadership group, they live in a kind of a very, as he would call it, boring town. He calls it one of the most boring towns in America. I'm like, wow, um, amen. He's like, the most exciting things we have is we have Costco. Something like that. I think he said that. And we have a great ice cream place. And I'm like, you know, that's, that's like every town in America, if you think about it, right? Yeah. They have a nice ice cream. Every place has a good ice cream place. Um, but he just really wanted to, to be missionary in a community. And he, together with his leadership group, he came up with kind of this, uh, I guess you would call it a campaign for his church. And, then he, and it worked so well, he turned it into a book. And that's how kind of how to be a missionary in your hometown came about. And I do think uh, it's going to be awesome for all of us to go through the book. And the first part of the book talks about the heart of a missionary. And he actually says, don't share your faith. And, I'm, and as an evangelist, I'm like, what do you mean? No. And I think it might be reverse psychology because I'm going to still share my faith. I'm going to disobey the book. But I felt kind of like, oh, man, what, what do you mean? He's like, just... Sometimes you got to take a step back and really think about why we're doing this. Why we share our faith. What are we missionaries for? What, what is this all about? And he talks about rediscovering the gospel again. He talks about rediscovering our relationship with God again. He talks about really um, making this something that we rely on God to be, not just something that's human. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's very powerful. So the first part of the book is about the heart of a missionary. The second part is about the feet. And he talks about how, you know, the feet with, with, uh, fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. You've heard that scripture in Ephesians, right? This is about really going out and reaching people and talking to people and, and, and sharing our faith. And there's some different things that we're going to be doing as a group to do that. Um, and then the last part is the hands representing prayer and really just bathing every part of our ministry in prayer. Amen. And really saying, you know, this is, even though I share my faith, God's got to move in this person's heart. And um, I'm really, I'm excited to go through it myself because I think we all need the reminders, but we also need the encouragement. And the Bible says encouragement, uh, it, it can be like a little bit of a, an admonishment too, or even a spur. You know, and obviously horses, you know, we think about horses, you know, you get the spur, you know, and hey, you know, I think sometimes I need that spiritually. I need something to help me do what I want to do. Amen. Amen. And that's share our faith. And I think Jesus said, go two by two for a reason. It's hard to be a missionary alone. Even Paul, right, who is one of the greatest missionaries of all time, but not the greatest. Amen. Amen. Uh, he, he needed other people around him. Amen? Amen. Um, even though Jesus was the son of God and really could stand on his own in the desert 40 <laughs> days without food, and without food, 
taking on the devil. I mean, I don't know. That's, that's intense. If you're like, Glenn, how do you think you're going to do? How many minutes would it take for you to sin in the desert? I'd be like, one minute. You know what I mean? One minute, I would be just failing. I know that. I mean, the, the conditions that he put, but even he had 12 apostles around him. Amen? And for all of us to realize that we need each other, and that's where our family group comes into play. Amen. We as a family group, and the family group leaders, we're actually doing a workshop that's going to be talking about how to make this awesome and how to make this fun. And there's a lot of fun things. It's not just going and sharing your faith, although that's fun. A lot of it's like, hey, let's have a hospitality night. Let's do a, a barbecue. Let's, let's just serve one in the community and see if they ask us why we did it. And so a lot of it, I, I think we're going to see God in this. Amen. And that's the thing I love about the mission is that you see God in the mission. Amen. You know, how many times have I invited someone to church and they say, you know, I've been, yesterday I prayed to meet someone who would help me find a church. You're like, you know, and at this point I still get surprised. And then there's a part of the Holy Spirit that says, why are you surprised? I'm the living God. And then another part of me says, well, because I just get excited every time this happens. And, and the Spirit's like, yeah, it's pretty cool, you know. <clears throat> but for all of us to get excited again about the missionary, some of us have been missionaries. We've come up here specifically to be missionaries. And I don't know about you, but sometimes we can get heart fatigue. Spiritual heart fatigue where we're just kind of like, oh, I know this is the right thing. But I need to take a little nap, you know. I don't know if I'm really into this thing. And I want to encourage you to pray uh, that God will really help you with that. Amen. And I don't, you know, like anything, it takes a while to get warmed up. And so that's why we're going to be really spending time, I guess, marinating in these concepts. Amen? Amen. And so I hope that you'll get excited. And the series ends on Easter Sunday, which will be awesome. And then we're starting a new series called Won't You Be My Neighbor, <laughs> which is going to be about... What all the scriptures in the Bible that talk about being a great neighbor and what that's all about. And we're also going to talk about Fred Rogers as an example of someone who, who imitates Christ in some of the ways he dealt with people. And even just to be more authentic the way we talk to people. And I think Portland especially resonates with authenticity more than religiosity. Amen. You know, if you say church to someone, they're like, but if you say, you know, I have, I have a real relationship with God, and I'm so excited about it. That, that oh, really, what do you do? You know, and, and people want to know about that. People are hungry spiritually, but they're not hungry religiously. And for us to really, um, you know, change even the way we act around people and to think about how to be real with people in an awesome way. One of the chapters in the book talks about how, Share your weakness with someone that you're reaching out to and how God helps you with that. I and mean, that's like, that's challenging, you know, and, and to do that, it's also awesome because people go, oh, wow, you struggle too? Maybe I could be that Christian that you're talking about. I thought Christians and many people think this. I thought this just were perfect. Everything they did was perfect. And I certainly can't be a Christian because I'm not even close to being perfect. Amen. And today we're going to look at. Um, we're going to look at the greatest missionary of all time. And I bet you can't guess who it is. I bet you can't guess who it is. It's Jesus. It's God. 
It's God. He's the greatest missionary of all time. And uh, Jim was joking because on the order of service, it said the greatest missionary of all time, dash, Glenn Petruzzi. <laughs> and Jim was like, hey, bro, what do you mean by this? Like, Jim, can you just give, leave me alone? It's the, I'm delivering this. You know what's going on. Um, I'm certainly not the greatest missionary of all time. I, I don't think I need to tell you that. I also, I feel so humbled that I'm a missionary. That you're a missionary. Isn't it humbling? And yet, God is excited about you being a missionary. Because it's a piece of his heart that you're joining. And I want to look at a passage today that I think really typifies what motivated Jesus to be the greatest missionary of all time. Um, this scripture. I'm just going to really camp out in this scripture today. And I, I really, sometimes I feel like I throw a lot at you when I preach on Sunday. I don't feel that. I know that. <laughs> I want to apologize for how long my sermons are sometimes. I also want to apologize for throwing so much at you. Meaning, sometimes I'm like, you know, they come, I want to give them their money's worth. Let's give them, let's give them the whole will of God. And that's not, that's not helpful, amen? And I know Jesus, I know, I know Paul spoke to the ends of, you know, till midnight. Yeah. But that didn't seem helpful for some people, as one person fell asleep and fall, fell down, you know. And I certainly don't have the power to raise someone from the dead. So I just want, to, I want it to be more simple in my preaching this, this uh, year. And it's one of my uh, prayers this year is to keep it simple. And there's another part of that acronym. But, you know, um, to really keep it simple because I think this is what I want you to think about today, this scripture. We love because he first loved us. Amen. And, and it's a really amazing passage. It really moved me as I was thinking about this. That God was the first to initiate with us. That he was the first one to love us. Even before we knew him, even before we understood what he did for us, even before we cared about him. <laughs> you know, God loved us first. Amen. We love because he first loved us. Amen. What's the motivation for loving? It must come from God's love. Yes. Do you realize how much God loves you? <laughs> The Bible says you can't. That, that Ephesians, actually, one of my wife's favorite passages, talks about how, you know, how wide and deep and long and high is the love of God. And, and human understanding and even spiritual understanding can't get to the depths of that love for you. You know, Jesus was the first missionary ever. But really, he was the first one to love. He was the first one to love. And, and in many ways, that's what being a missionary is. It's just loving first. Amen. Yeah. 
I needed someone to love me first. You know, I, I, I wasn't looking to love anyone. I was on a basketball court training for basketball and a guy named Olu decided to love me first. And he was loved first by someone else. But if you go all the way back to the chain of, of spiritual fathers and mothers and spiritual fathers and mothers, who is ultimately at the end? Jesus. You know, who's the greatest missionary of all time? Paul. Amen. He's great. Thomas, you know, killed in India for his faith. Even someone who changed and became from doubting Thomas to a, a, a loving, amazing, courageous man, Thomas, now is, is, an, is, is one of the greatest missionaries of all time. Peter, one of the greatest missionaries of all time. The apostles, Polycarp, Jonathan Edwards. John Wesley said, the whole world is my parish. Love that, love that. You know, St. Patrick, I know, if you've ever gotten a chance to really look at his story, St. Patrick's an amazing thing. Why do we celebrate you know, St. Patrick's Day. Uh, you know, so many people don't understand that, but getting a, a book about it, you know, David Rousseau wrote a book about it that was really well done. And, and just how he decided to love people that enslaved him years before. He felt called to go, and he went and he saved. He was the first one to preach to an idolistic Ireland. But these people put him in slavery for years and years. What possesses a man to do that? Well, the one who first loved him. And that's God. There's one that, there is one that was the first and greatest missionary ever. There is one who is the reason all missionaries are missionaries. There is one who was the first to breathe in us and say, I'm going to stick my neck out and take a risk on these people of dust that are going to hurt me all the time. And I'm going to stick my neck out and I'm going to take a risk for these people because I love them. He's the one who chose to love us first before we even knew what love was. He was the first... And the first one to love us when he visited earth many times before coming to Calvary. He's the one who led God's people with human kindness even though they com committed adultery upon him. He was the one who preached to Abraham in a tent. He was the one who preached to Moses in the burning bush. He was the one who, who stood in battle with Joshua. He was the first one to love us. There was one who decided to leave the pleasures of heaven to become a man of sorrows and love us. There was one who died on a brutal cross and said, this is how much I love you. I love you this much. I love you this much. And even though you're mocking me, even though you're spitting at me, even though you hate me, I'm going to love first. There is one who rose from the dead and conquered death. But he did it for us. You realize God doesn't have to worry about death. But he went through death and conquered it so that we could conquer it. Amen? Amen. And there is one who came 
not just to make disciples, but to make them new creations. 1 John chapter 4. Let's look at the passage, guys. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. He's the first one to love us. How many people in this world will never know the love that God has for them? How many people? It's so sad to me, for me to think about that. Because I feel so loved by God. Amen. You know, it's, it's... Everything that I touch is, is, is our gift from Him. This world, my wife, my three wonderful boys, my health, my life. But most importantly, that he wants to love me, that he loves me, that he likes me, that he cares for me. You know, and I, I feel like I, again, when I read First John chapter 4, I feel like I, I haven't read the Bible, really. Again, as I always say, I, I look through the scriptures and I'm like, "Why? Wow, that's there? You know what I mean? What? That's there? I didn't see that before. But I think sometimes we, we need a second touch, right? Yeah. At the scriptures. Yeah. And we all need, that's why we come to church on Sunday. That's why we read our Bibles every day, right? Yeah. It's because we need that second and third and fourth touch so that we can understand the love of God. Chapter 4, verse 19 says, We love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. Go back to verse 7, chapter 4. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. I am a human. Amen? You are a human. That's not going to change. Amen? God is love. That's not going to change. That's who he is. And so, of course, he's the first to love because that who is who he is. He is in the definition of love. You know, a man who is almost 80 years old now, maybe older, He's writing an epistle to a church that's going through false doctrine, going through the Gnostic teachings, right? That Jesus wasn't a physical being, right? And he's, you know, it's a very different letter than Galatians that is combating another false doctrine, right? And I love different, the different ways people teach. Paul, and, and, and all of it was from the Holy Spirit. But what does John talk about? How does John... Help people with false doctrine. He says love 33 times. He says, you know what you can find the difference between the truth and a lie? Love. Because God is love. And people that love are with God. Because there's no way they could love that way if they didn't know God. And that's what he says. He says it 33 times, the word love, agape, every single time. And most of the time it's talking about God. Verse 9, it says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world 
that we might live through Him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us. That's challenging, isn't it? I love that in the past tense, right? Because I would be very offended if God, if God said, you don't love me. It's almost like Peter, you know? You know. You know I love you. You know, you know I love you. Do you love me? You ask me three times, I'd be, I'd be hurting, right? Just like Peter was. But that's in the past, right? Loved. He says... This is love, not that we love God. You know, most of us, it's hard to love people that don't love us. But if you want to be like God, you got to love people who don't love you yet. It's encouraging, right? I mean, look at me, I love God. And I have so much more to increase in that love. But I do love God, you love God. At one point you didn't love God. You didn't know God. But once people get to know who this God is, they love him. But we must remember that it all came from him. That he loved you even though you might not love him. You might not love him. And obviously, the simple thing to take away is that God loved you first. And I just want you to write that down or Put that in your mind. God loved you first. When we walk around saying and feeling like, oh wow, we really cleaned ourselves up here in this Christian thing. Or maybe we feel like we've grown a lot or we've really made a lot of progress. And all that's awesome to feel, amen? It's good to change your character and grow. But remember who loved you first. And if we're going to be the missionaries that God called us to be, we got to understand this. That to be missionaries, we have to love first. It makes it a lot more simple, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, there's some people in my community who've yelled at me in a basketball game. Why aren't you playing my kid? He's yelling at me. And there are people who give me those looks, you know. I need, I, I, I need to love them. I want to love them now. They need love. And in many ways, they're people who I can work with because they speak their minds. You know? But to remember, whenever I share my faith, who am I representing? I'm representing the one who loved me first. And the second one is we love because he loved us first. Why do we love? Well, it's the right thing to do. No, no, that's not a good motivation. It's not the best motivation. Yes, it's a good thing to do. Yes, it's commanded by God. But when you love first, you're more like God than anything else you've ever done. And so that's the hard thing about sharing your faith and being a missionary, isn't it? Is you have to go first. Usually people aren't like, Jesse, You're a Christian. I can just see a halo around you, bro. You know? Show me who God is. I mean, that would be awesome, right? But that's not. Even, you know, the the Catholic Church, they wear robes, right, to show that they're priests. 
But, but that doesn't work. They still need to be loved first, no matter what you're wearing, no matter what sign you have, no matter what, you know, Jesus is my homie, ask me about it, you know. <laughs> we can have all these things that show outwardly, but what we need to do is we need to act first Amen. in love. Amen. You know, um, verse, verse 13, we'll just finish up and we'll read the rest of this. Actually, no, verse, uh, sorry, verse 11. Dear friends, since, since God so loved us, We ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. It's kind of intense. I mean, I don't know. I just missed that scripture. No one's ever seen God. But you know how you see him in you is when you love first. This is how we know that we live in him, and he is in us. He has given us his spirit. We have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in Him, and they in God, and we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, in God in Him. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence in the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. This scripture right here is in the middle of a bunch of words, right? Most scriptures are. <laughs> but we can miss that word, that, that amazing word. And the amazing word I want to talk about is, in this world we are like Jesus. Well, did someone put that in later after I bought my Bible and read it a couple times? Or did I just miss it? I think the second one, right? In this world, we are like Jesus. And he's talking about condemnation. And essentially, first and foremost, we don't have to fear. Perfect love drives out fear, right? That's what he says later on. And it's because we, don't, we can have confidence on the day of judgment. Because we've been saved. We've, been, we've repented. We've been baptized. God loved us first. We know and rely on this love. You know what's amazing about God? Is that God wants to save you. He doesn't have to save you. He so much wants to save you. So much, obviously, he died on the cross so he could save you. How are you doing relying on God's love? I just want to say I need help with that. I rely on myself a lot. I rely on my convictions. I rely on the church. I rely on what people are going to think about me. You know? I rely on a lot of awkward things. I try to rely on the love of God, but that's got to be our number one thing, is to rely on the love that God has for us. I just wanted to start with a simple passage as we start the year. We love because He first loved us. We love because He first loved us. He first, he was the first one to go. He was the first one to give his heart. He was the first one to share his heart with us. He was the first one, you know, to to give his heart to us and say, if you want to stomp on it, you can. But here I am, all of me. I give you all of myself. 
you know, if you read the Old Testament, if you read uh, books like Ezekiel, you'll see his heart come out. Like, intensely. But that's the kind of depth that God has for us. What if Jesus didn't love us first? What if he didn't want to love us? Well, we wouldn't be here, amen? What makes us missionaries in our hometown? What gets us excited about gaining the heart? It's the one who loved us first. What's it all about? You know, to be honest, there's a lot of scriptures we could quote, but this is what it's all about. This is one of them you gotta remember. This is one of them you gotta think about. And this is one that you have to remember. You know, there was an article that recently came out in the newspaper, and it was about some artwork that was done in the back of the art room here. And Charlie recognized it. Charlie's at work today. He had to work, but he recognized it. And in the middle of fellowship, you know, Charlie comes up to me. He's like, you got to see this, bro. And I'm like, okay. So we go through there, and there's, there's, a, there's a Bible that's been torn up and used as kind of an artwork. And there's, there's all these displays of different books that were used for art. And someone chose to use the Bible. And they, they used the Bible, and they painted red on it. And they took Jesus' head and, and put like a satanic goat on it. And, and they, 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 they used it, and they called it the very revised standard version. And, and Charlie was so upset. He was like, Glenn, what do I do with this? And I didn't know. You know I'm about ready to you know, do service. So I'm like, I don't know, bro. Let's pray about this. And so he decided to talk to USM. He decided to talk to some different people. And amazingly, the USM president called me. Amazing. Called me and said, we're so sorry. This is up. We know that freedom of speech is at the university. But we understand that the Bible is really important to you. And so we're going to remove it from the Wish Camper building. We're going to put it somewhere else on campus. Which was amazing. I mean, for the president of the university to personally call me like that, that that meant a lot. But you know what? The name of the person... His name was Riley. And I just thought about how much God loves him. In the news article, um, it's on the Portland Press. You can read it. Charlie's quoted. I'm quoted a little bit. USM's quoted. And I think it was a great discussion to talk about freedom of speech, but also sacred texts. You know, one of Charlie's points was if a Quran, we just put pork blood on there and just said, hey, this is an artwork. What would we think, right? And it was a good point. Yeah. Other hand, we have someone who wants to be freely speaking, and that's another point, right? And we're here because we have freedom of speech, amen? amen. But one of the things that I want to say that, that's even greater than all that subject, because that's a subject in itself, yeah. is that God loves Riley first. Amen. And if Riley just knew this love that he, that God has for him. What would that do to him? Yeah. You know what? God's going to love Riley just as much as he loves me. Yeah. No matter what Riley does. No matter what I do. He's going to love first. Because that's the kind of God that we worship. Yeah. A God who says, you know what? You might defame my word. You might say all these things against me. But I'm going to still love you. Mm-hmm. Glenn, you might 
act like a preacher sometimes, and other times you might fall right on your face. What makes you any different than Riley? You sin. In fact, you know more than he does. So how much more should you be righteous? But you know what? I'm going to love you, and you can rely on my love, Glenn. Amen. And I just want to end with saying, in this little story that happened this week, God's moving, right? God's moving. Channel 8 News did something on it. And one of the things I'd like to just share is that we need to be missionaries. But first and foremost, behind all that, we need to be like God. And to be like God means to love first. Amen. Amen. Amen.